Up in the sky, it's a podcast! Hello everybody and welcome to Cape Crisis, the weekly comic book podcast on the Laser Time Podcasting Network with me, your host, Henry Gilbert, H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G on Twitter! Is it working? Yeah, it's working. Woo! Can't load fart noise. Uh, <laughs> and I'm here with our regular old guest, hello, not guest host, co-host, sorry, Chris Antista. Hey! Hi. I have a, a personal life tragedy that relates to comics Ooh. really well. Oh, boy. No, I really like it. Is this going to be heavy? No, no, it's not heavy at all. Okay. Um, well, not really. I mean, all but right. it was... Uh, uh, well, wait, let's, before we get What's that? It. So, yeah, if... Uh, well, I just wanted to say a quick self-promotional thing For what? this week. On Laser Time, we had a very oh, comic yeah, yeah. book-related episode. Well, not very, <laughs> but a comic book-related episode with... Uh, so, if you guys know Derek Comedy, the, like, pioneers of internet sketch jokery. That's how I should have referred to them. That, uh... Instead of, you guys are awesome. Why aren't you more awesome? <laughs> we had on DC Pearson and Dominic... Dominic Dierks, I believe Dierkes, it is. Yeah. Dierkes. Dierkes. No, yeah, Dominic Dierkes. I hope he doesn't hear this. He <laughs> but, um... Yeah, who are both really cool and who started in Derek Comedy with Donald Glover mm-hmm. uh, and have gone on to like their own solo and co-careers. And DC Pearson, to comic fans, will be known for his uh, brief but funny scene as Apple Store employee yeah. in uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. I've been Aaron. That's and we couldn't think of his name. He couldn't think of his name. He didn't even remember his name. Now, well, yeah, it was like it was an afternoon for him with with Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson. But he lives in L.A., so maybe he's just like I see famous people a lot. I just think it's still even if you're an Apple Store dude, to be part of the Marvel Universe cinematic universe (laughs) is pretty great because who knows who they'll bring back. I know. Um, But yeah, so you guys, it was a really great podcast with a lot of. Like funny stories of yeah, so listen to creating it, creating stuff and how to be a writer, listen. And, and and stories about working on a Marvel film. So, but yeah, it was it's an episode I'm really proud of. I think you know, Chris Chris hosted it, it was the Laser Time episode, but it was it was a dream of ours and we made it work. Yeah, to get to get those two on, and so yeah, they they were both great. Plug. Like, if you want to hear funny stories from behind the scenes at the Spike Video Game Awards. <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah, um, they're very funny. Like, it, it seemed Dominic had no intention of working on those again. What's Foxy care? Yeah, I guess. I guess. He's I mean, better than that show. All you have to, I mean, they want funny people. Mm-hmm. You can be funny and still make fun of the stupid award show. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I just wanted to have that. An on, it was a plug, but it was a fun plug. I'm plugging. This is a recommendation, and this right. is a. An, it's yes, it's an anecdote that's comic related. Things that are occurring in my All life. Right. Very sad news that a, a good friend of mine from back home had passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, very yeah. specifically, my ex girlfriend's sister, little sister. So I'd yeah. been dating her for for almost a decade, like almost a decade on and off. So I would you know, I knew her little sister. I was it was very troubling and traumatic and. Um, very sad, uh, yes. but she lives. She lives in the city here, and she flew back from Florida um, after that had happened. And uh, my friend John is like, "Let's go surprise her." Uh, and then he calls me. Of course, if you if you know John, uh, he's late, uh, and we can't pick <laughs> her up the cake that we were supposed to bring her. And I'm like, "Fuck! I really need something to give to her. I really wanted to bring her something because, like, more more than I'm upset because you know, I know her sister, but like, I'm more I, you know when you're I'm upset for you." Like I'm worried about you, not like yeah. yeah I'm, well, because 
I'm more worried. About the pain is over for her sister. Like the, the she's she's passed. Like it's mm-hmm. the survivors who have like they're going through more pain still. So and I get that. So what I did, and it was, I'm not going to tell you what I picked up just yet because it's how I presented it. I threw it in my bag, went over there, and right when I was leaving, and like look, we were supposed to bring you something. This is very last minute, but here is what I brought you. I brought you two comic books featuring two very strong ladies for a lady who has to be really strong right now. And I pulled out volume one of Velvet and volume one of Lazarus. Wow. And she, and it was, and like, that's, that was like, it was guess. such a last minute thing, but like the the statement worked very, very, very well. And I'm, I'm, not, you know, I'm, not, I'm not being affected by this. It was, oh. a, I'm glad that I did it though. Like yeah. instead of nothing, like I gave, she now gets those to read Velvet gifts. and Lazarus. Yeah, and those like, are great books. Those are great books and reading them might get her mind off things too. And like it's Velvet a good... looks like her mom. Oh, well that's even more <laughs> helpful. Yeah, I, I hope they make Velvet into a movie just mm-hmm. so like a woman over 40 could be an action mm-hmm. star in a movie. Like it's, it was a very pointed choice of theirs. But uh, that's... And she is so sex. Yeah, well, that is a happy ending. I like a happy year ending. Um, yeah, I, I want to thank you real quickly. Uh, holy crap! I got to get this out. Thank who? Um, I wanted to thank um, well a bunch of people. Fuck that. Who gave us Star Wars codes today? Oh, that was. Uh, let me pull that up here. This time for real, we got to figure out how to give them away by the end of the episode. It'll probably be Twitter. <laughs> we'll find a way. Um, uh, oh wait, I have it in my messages because he sent it to me. SSJ four twenty Goku, aka Super Giraffe. <laughs> so thanks, Super Giraffe. Thanks indeed. Um, I wanted to thank uh, Landon, Landon von Buskirk, I think. Yeah, that guy's cool. Is how we say your name? Um, oh shit. Let me go get my iPad real fast. Keep talking, Henry. <laughs> All right. Well, eh, it's weird to say this without you, but. Uh, there was also the Super Bowl with all the stuff with Chris Evans and uh, Chris Pratt. <laughs> no, don't talk about that. Oh, why? Because that's too—it's too jockish to talk about on no, here. Like I, I went to—I went and saw it in the in a, like. I like I know it's weird. My girlfriend's not into sports, mm-hmm. but I know she's. But a, she is sporty. She's into the, but she's also into the event and the, the social uh-huh. engagement aspect of it. And I like, I am, and I always like that. But I like hate that we do it around the Super Bowl, but. The Roxy Movie Theater in the Mission had a cycling group of comedians. So imagine sitting in a movie theater with the lights on, five people talking over, no sound, and a bar next to the fire exit. Just comedians making fun of the making Super Bowl? Making fun of the Super Bowl. And wow. like that, that was surprisingly bearable. That's, that's a pretty cool thing. I was, I was, thinking, I was thinking Landon Von uh, Buskirk. Uh, Landon, love you, buddy. He, gave me, um, he gifted me uh, Batman Endgame. Which I started reading that's again. That's really cool. And yeah, that's probably a little bit in the news later. And holy shit, was it Aimbot Master? God, I hope I got it right. Yeah, that's his um, name, or that he, is a name of. No, no, man. I just I'm pretty sure I wrote it down back in my room. Uh, he gifted me too many great things to mention: Flash Gordon, Galaxy Quest, and an entire line of Scooby Doo team up. Whoa! And who do you do you who do you think Scooby Doo teams up with here? Hank? Well, I just saw the cover to number one, which is Batman and Robin. Yeah, I think the first four uh, issues are Batman and Robin. Let's see. After that, um, Justin Bieber. Oh Jesus, Henry! No, but, but it's a, real. It's not human? a comic here. It's no, it's no. It's the fucking Flintstones. Oh. And then after that, the fucking Jetsons. But also, finally, the first. He, thank you very much because I haven't been able to find this in a trade. Um, the Transformers versus GI Joe saga, 
And issue 11 of WWE Superstars. <laughs> I sent you the link, right, of what that, yeah. that cover looked like? Pretty awesome cover. Uh, Secret Raw with Hollywood Hulk Hogan posed like uh, Spider-Man in Secret Wars. Secret Wars number eight, specifically. Yes. But yeah, that's, that is an amazing cover. I <laughs> love that cover. Just that it says Secret Raw. Yeah. It's such a dumb name. It's, it's a beautiful cover. I also got... Uh, uh, well... Yeah, so let let us talk about the what we've been reading this week. Indeed. Uh, though also, real quick, I did want to say, you know, we got we got DC Pearson and Dominic uh, Durkis because mm-hmm. they were both in town for the SF Sketch Fest, mm-hmm. which is like this three week long alternative comedy festival that mm-hmm. like is blessed upon the the city of San Francisco. The city of San Francisco at, at the start of every year. It's amazing. It's it's usually a really good method of seeing like. Eight billion amazing comics for like twenty dollars. Yeah, and that are only in that are like either New York or LA people mm-hmm. who just come together, basically for like two nights, and then they go back to their house, their homes. Yeah, uh, but they're all really cool. And like a couple standouts for me, I wanted to mention. I got to see the Birthday Boys mm-hmm. live, which they're great and had a lot of great jokes about their uh, cancel TV show. Oh, uh, then I also saw um, John Mulaney, who also had a lot of funny jokes about his cancel TV Is show. Canceled? It's basically canceled. It's like, pretty he, pretty bad. He knows he knows it's canceled. <laughs> He had a joke about that saying, like, yeah, it's too bad it wasn't as good as Seinfeld immediately. Sorry. <laughs> uh, and then he also had Ron Funches open for him. So if you're not watching Ron Funches, guys, like, yeah. get out on the ground floor of Ron Funches. In two years, all your all your jerk friends who aren't as fun, who are, don't know comedy, they'll be like, man, you see this Ron Funches guy? He's so funny. Like, get on the ground floor now, guys. And then lastly, I saw, uh, that I wanted to point out, I saw... Rana and Beverly, mm-hmm. my favorite, one of my favorite podcasts, uh, comedy podcasts, which are these uh, very funny uh, comedic actresses slash writers named Jamie Denbo and Jessica Chafin, who play uh, Jewish women in their fifties who obnoxiously interview people, and they're just very yeah, they're they're great. It is very gay. It was like the gayest night <laughs> I've had it. in a very long time because I was in the. I was with the rest of the audience and like it's mostly gay guys here like there was there was one couple I saw of like oh that guy came with his dad oh no that's not his dad uh, it's, his, it's his it's his daddy uh, but and then it was just surrounded by all these gays and then after the show they're like we're gonna have a meet and greet afterwards at this wine bar in the Castro <laughs> so that I go to the Castro at a wine bar to meet them later and tell them how much I love them <laughs> you did I didn't know yeah. you did then yeah well I got a little shy, but I... A little I, shy, my I little hanky. Got a little shy. That's me it's doing it. my best Linda Richmond, which is what I imagine they're, these people... They're little Linda Richmond, yes, mm-hmm. but they're their own characters, Ron and Beverly. But I met them outside, mm-hmm. and uh, and they <laughs> hugged me and stuff, and were like, oh, thank you so much. Uh, like I was like, no, you guys are the best. But then when it was time to go inside the, the wine bar, I like met them outside, and they're like, come on, come in, come in. And then they just started talking with other people, and I was like, I'm by myself in this wine Aww. bar, and I feel weird. I'm so, I shouldn't have let you go to that alone. Um, well, you were, at that very same time, you were uh, off seeing Todd Glass, another yes. homosexual. <laughs> yes. Though, a- like, less gay than those two straight women. Todd like, Glass is the fucking best. I love that yeah. dude. Love he, him. He opened for them, and they mm-hmm. were great. Jeez, really? And he yeah. ran all the way out, like, yep. bounced over to He was words. double booked. Wow. So, yeah, and he just did 30 minutes of him just like dicking around and he was awesome at it like 
Like, it's something you learn, like, now that we've done a teeny tiny bit of stand-up. <laughs> like, after seeing, and by that I mean, like, going on stage six times. But, for, for, for five minutes. But, <laughs> but the point is, Seven. like, after seeing, after seeing Todd Glass just do his thing... He's like just so loose, and he doesn't care. He's this that comfortable. He just lives on stage. Like it's not an act. He's yeah. just like talking. Like no, well, it's the thing you have to kind of get used to. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm also like he he has ADD. Like he can't yeah. shut up. Like he cannot. No, stop. That's why it wasn't that's not terribly hard for at. me either. No, like, I see. I, it, to to get on stage, like uh-huh. rehearsing material and writing, it's fucking hard. Yeah, though that um, is what DC and Dominic taught. We got like a writing clinic from them mm-hmm. of just like. No, it, it's, it takes a million drafts. Like, this, keep editing things. Because uh, what I did on Monday um, was I went and saw at the beautiful Castro Theater, The Princess Bride, mm. um, with special guest Carrie Elways, who wow. looks and sounds exactly like Christopher Waltz right now. Wow. I just forget that he's not American. Uh, but in, in some, I said that on Twitter. It's like, I did not mean that as an insult. Christopher Waltz is a beautiful man. Do not forget that. He's very he's handsome. A good looking, he's a good-looking guy. Mm-hmm. But in his 50s. Yeah, but so is Elway's. Yeah. Uh, but I shouldn't even tell it here, and I told it on Video Game Apocalypse, but I'm telling you because you'll like it because all he did in the Q&A all, like, always came back to Andre the Giant, which is like oh, that is all awesome. I wanted to hear. And he's just like, Andre is called Everybody Boss. And... <laughs> with the funniest story, and because like, I heard a couple of them before, and he has a book out called As You Wish about yeah. the experience okay. filming that. And the best one is that the horse, horses instinctually don't trust Andre or want him anywhere near them. <laughs> and at the end of the movie, he had to get on a horse. Like, come on, I got four white horses. And, uh, and like, they put, he said they put blinders on the horse, and like, even like, Feeling him like someone of his size get on, I'm like, no fucking way, no <laughs> horse is going, no horse is going to allow that. And they and they had to, um, at the end, drug a horse and come Jeez. up with a system of pulleys <laughs> to suspend Andre the Giant over a horse because he's 500 fucking pounds. Wow, a beautiful man. And then he mentioned a deleted scene from Princess Bride I've never seen. I'm saying that because it's probably a comic and Andre the Giant was in a comic that Henry once recommended so don't fucking yell yep. at me in the comments. The comic... Ma- that's where we should yeah. give away the Star Wars code. Oh. Um, yeah. Um, but fucking... Uh, there's a deleted scene that I didn't know about from Princess Bride because uh, he was talking about... Well, yeah, this happened on the first time we shot Us on Horses because the movie actually ended with the four of us outside of Fred Savage's room saying oh, come along wow yeah come with us and like that's been shot and I've never seen it <laughs> like the only that scene with crazy. you with Fred Savage yeah. holy shit I, he may even be on a DVD somewhere I've just I've definitely never seen it oh, that's awesome yeah uh, well okay so what, so yeah we're just telling you SF Sketchfest is great and we're going to well you're not going to Back to the Future right I can't no, I can't you're, you're double booked yeah I'm, I'm booked uh, and and I'm going to Back to the Future, and then though there is another thing on Friday. I'm like, I kind of wish I went to that instead of Back to the Future. But um, and then there's the MST3K guys the night before, and then I'm wrapping it up with a thrilling adventure hour, which is a great uh, listen to that podcast too, guys. But don't stop listening to this one. I know we're suggesting. I've suggested like three other podcasts you listen to, but keep room for every Laser Time podcast, please. Come on, guys, listen to us. Share us on Twitter. I feel like we're plateauing or losing listeners. No, I feel, but I don't feel share that, your sadness. I feel enough. that while the shows have never been better, like yeah. this show last week, I'm super proud of the amount mm-hmm. of people who said that was an awesome thing about the Venture Brothers. Yeah. 
Uh, and and the, the later times this year, I have been incredibly strong. And I'm saying like, Diana show, the one that I didn't build. Mm-hmm. It's just a really good concept. And we've got some humdingers coming up. Mm-hmm. And we got even more, even yeah. more of shit like that. So stay tuned. Help us out. You know, we need your support to exist. Every day I have to consider, do I apply for that job or do I not? I don't mind being this poor. <laughs> but the scary thing is being even Poorer than this, and you've hit a. You, there is a line. There's a line of poorness. It's when I run out of money, my mm-hmm. savings, <laughs> which we're slowly eating through. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I believe we can make this work for at least me. <laughs> okay, um, so 16 minutes in, what have we been reading? Uh, what do you want to reading? So I hmm. uh, have been reading more of Pluto, mm-hmm. which I really liked, and uh, this wasn't a thing I read, but I did watch the Miyazaki documentary. Kingdom of Dreams and Mad Men, which was like amazing. It it really is just like, hey, what's it like to work with a genius? This is it. Like they just film him working for a year and being kind of like a caustic, mean old man who's also right about everything mm-hmm. and can draw anything <laughs> and like can't stop drawing and being a genius. And I love that. And you look at every other animator he works with, you're like, you're not as good as him. Like he's the best. Like there won't be this dies with him. Like there won't be another like him ever. Is like, that is that the really? There's a picture I've seen on a billion tumblers about anime was a mistake. Uh, the, the, he hates anime. Like yes. he's not into anime. Like he's he's a grumpy old man. He, he also says like I'm not an otaku. Like I'm not a geek. Like he, he does well. No, he doesn't like the geekdom that sprung up around it. Like he wants. He thinks. Oh. Yeah. All right. But then again, meanwhile, like one of his favorite animators, mm-hmm. who he like, um, who's in the film, is Hideki Anno, who mm-hmm. made Evangelion. And Hideki Anno is a total uh, like he has a total otaku vibe. Like sure. that's that's what Evangelion's about. Like, I think that's like when I don't even know how Japan uses the term anime, but when you say anime, it's like it it goes beyond, like I like Japanese animation. Like mm-hmm. that's not a genre of anything. That's like me saying, I like computer animated films. Really? You like the Croods? You like that? Do you like the Penguins of Madagascar? Yeah. It, it doesn't specify what it, it is, is you actually like. It is more of a like. medium. It's, yeah. yeah, it's a medium. And I think that's, I think, I think old people's frustration gets like, well, I don't like something just because it's animated. Mm. Uh, and that sh- I think it shows in his work. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. And then, uh, but for comics, for regular American comics, People who are uh, regular listeners might be shocked to hear that I read a couple of DC books this week. Uh, thank you. To, thanks to Landon. I, I started back over reading Endgame. Um, man. Which is the return of the Joker. The return of the Joker. It's very weird. He's got his face back. I, like, I don't think I read a, bat, a single issue of Batman as a kid. Like, I, I had to buy things cheap and old, mm. so I just get one, and then occasionally, like, oh fuck, these four go together. I'll reread them. Uh, <laughs> these are part, these are part of the same story. And the Joker was there a lot, mm. and just thinking of like, I you know, I'm looking at Comicsology 2011. 2011 was when Batman New 52 started over. Yeah, and there have been two Joker stories in four years. Mm. I guess yeah. Scott Snyder's run very has been, sparing. Scott Snyder's run is was first the Owl story, fucking and, great, and then Death of the Family. Mm-hmm. And then Year Zero, mm-hmm. and now Endgame. Like, mm-hmm. it's been, like, four acts. You wonder if, like, this is the end of his run, because he is calling it Endgame. And he's been on the book for, like, four years. That's a long time. Well, is that is that more newsish? Newsy? Yeah, I uh, mean, let's talk about it now. There's a lot of things in the news to talk about. So. Yeah, especially related to Endgame and the Joker. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but, but I haven't got there yet. It, it's... it's I mean, I, but I saw some of this information out there. It's just weird. L- let's just say it right now because there's bigger news to talk about in the news section later. Mm-hmm. 
But um, yeah, they they imply that the Joker is like not human, not fully mm-hmm. human. That he's the last of this line of like um, magical people who can't die and mm-hmm. just have this weird regenerativeness, which like you do kind of need to explain because. There needs to be an explanation. He can't he can't survive all the shit he always survives. Like most Joker stories end with him taking nearly fatal damage and then like falling into yeah. the water or something and drowning and mm-hmm. then and it's just so the writer can give him the punishment he deserves and writing him off and then he immediately comes back. Like he comes back within six months, you know? I, I it doesn't does it not make sense for his character though? Yeah. It but does like, make sense. That he be a fucking Bugs Bunny, Loki yes. uh, character. I like that. And I think it's a it's another one of those smart... Just when you think there's no more twist to add to Batman, mm-hmm. a creative writer comes on and finds one, and Scott Snyder is that type. Like yeah. he's, he's the type of guy who should be on Batman. He's like, well, yeah, I could... I'll write a great Batman story, but I also have other ideas. Like, I want to yeah. do new things. I don't just want to write Batman Punches the Joker. Like, mm-hmm. that's he has more to it than that. Um, but I also. But you, you said yeah. that what did the, what did the person say that like you said that it could be? Um, the, well, the guy who says it then dies immediately, so there's no cross referencing it, and it's one of those things that I've seen in other books mm-hmm. where a character will say something in part two that's mm-hmm. like this changes everything, and then in part six or seven mm-hmm. when it's the or when it's the resolution, they go like. No, that guy was crazy. We couldn't prove it because he died after he said it. But no, that's not true. I haven't gotten to that the late, to part four. They have to part four now. But it's the most part recent four or five. Um, the seeds to that are being laid in the first issue. No, oh, okay. And the second issue. That's like, just a fake out. No, that is not a fake out. Oh, that really is. Yes. Well, and then he's Bat- dropping mad hints along those lines. Well, and Batman is saying to him like, "I've tested his blood dozens of times," mm-hmm. and then the person says, "Well." It only acts up in catastrophe. So only if you were testing his blood when he was like set on fire would you know that. I think that's pretty interesting because that, that in conjunction with the other big DC shakeup, uh, it's not a huge shakeup. What, Superb Man you're talking about? Yeah, Superb Man. Well, okay, well, let me get. All right, so first off, I read mm. uh, the DC books I read are Gotham Academy 1, mm. and I really like it. It's a, It's a cute, I mean. It is it is a female driven book starring like the two main characters are, are Olive and Maps, these two young ladies who go to <laughs> who go to kind of the Hogwarts of Gotham that is just this like old school this old private school in Gotham that Bruce Wayne attended at one point and there's this girl who she's deathly afraid of Batman for some unexplained reason. But Bruce Wayne set her up with a scholarship, so seems like she's one of those characters that like their her family. Something horrible happened to her family. Batman saw it, and then Bruce Wayne is like, "I'll give you a scholarship." Like it's just mm. his way to fix it. But she's terrified of Batman, and there's some mystery in her school, and it's just it's neat. It's a neat book, and uh, and definitely like an all a fun all ages book. And then I read a superb man of thirty eight, mm-hmm. which I'll admit. I probably should, it is part seven, and I should have read the six before. Oh, Jesus! So the, let me just get that out of the way. <laughs> but um, but any yeah yeah. But so this is the is the end of the first storyline by Jeff Johns and John Romita Jr. And John Romita Jr. and Jeff Johns have reinvigorated Superman. Like 
the Superman books need a, an A team on it to take it seriously. You can't get put a B team on the Superman books. Like when they relaunched Superman, they had the A team of Grant Morrison, Morrison. doing it. Mm-hmm. But it was this weird... But then Action Comics was being done by a, a real B team. And it was also this weird imbalance where like the current... The stuff happening right now mm-hmm. uh, was be by the B team while Grant Morrison was just doing... No, I want to do Superman's origin. I don't want to do now. I want to do his origin, but of the new 52. And it was just so confused. Even though Morrison's... I really love Morrison's That was really Superman. neat. Yeah. That was really but neat. it may as well have been a different character. Yeah, like, so, there was no connection. What? How is he connected to well, the rest I, of DC Universe? Or is he not at all? Well, no, he is now. Like, he is? He, he, so, basically, Grant Morrison stuff seemed to happen before the Justice League comic. Mm-hmm. In the Justice League team-up. And that was when he really became part of the main DC Universe. So, fucking Hane Superman is a part of the... D- I call him Hane Superman. Was, you mean jeans? He's, the t- one well, he's just a t-shirt, t-shirt and jeans, jeans guy. Yeah. And his, and his undestro- he, is undestroyable cape. He looks like, he looks like a, a Hane's model. He sure does. <laughs> well, okay, so... Uh, Jeff Johns, I think, is a good... He's definitely a good writer for Superman. I've read some really good stuff on him, though. This one was really kind of bland, I thought. Superman gives a big hope speech that just... I wasn't feeling it. I don't know. And then it was another one of those stories like Superman. When they make up a new enemy for Superman, Mm -hmm. I hate when the new enemy is just, I'm also Superman, but evil. (laughs) And like... That's kind of the feel I got for Ulysses. He's just, he's supposed to be the opposite Superman, which I feel I've seen so many times. Yeah. And, but he's hes a human who went to another planet and got special powers there. Mm-hmm. And now he's back on Earth. And it's just weird. It, it doesn't, it didn't make a lot of sense. And I also think like, I, I'm the biggest John Romita Jr. fan in the world. He is great on Spider-Man, but I think Spider-Man's a perfect character for him. Because what he is bad at drawing is faces. Like he is, <laughs> he is great at drawing everything else, but every face looks the same, and they have crazy cheekbones. And like Superman is all face. There's no yeah. character to him mm. beyond his face, and his face looks weird. Like mm. it just looks kind of weird. And well, meanwhile, Spider-Man's perfect for him because he has no face. It's it's a completely obscured <laughs> face, and he's awesome at it. Like Johns is awesome at action, destruction, mm-hmm. crowds, energy cosmic stuff he is amazing at that mm-hmm. but faces are weird and so in superman who has a weird looking face the way john's draw J- ramitas draws it it looks like a swollen teenager when he then has to give a speech about hope and and love mm-hmm. it just comes off weird uh and so then the issue ends with uh superman getting a new power and not getting a new one, but discovering, re- discovering a, a new power. I like that. I, yeah, I like that too. It, it felt natural. It didn't mm-hmm. feel like tacked on. John's knew how to introduce it in an interesting way. It's uh, it, uh, what did I see it referred to as the super flare? It is a super flare? I think. Yeah, it's his his heat vision now gives way to a flare like that just expends expends well, every bit of solar energy in his body yeah, out like once. Superman as a battery powered by Earth's sun. He can expend that energy all at once. Should that he now he is now discovered, mm-hmm. but it drains the battery entirely. And for at least a day, he is human. Wow, I didn't. He has human level strength. Wow. As su- this this is a lot of spoilers, guys. I'm sorry. This is a little spoiler talk. But I mean, I, I this read was it. Big news. I, I, yeah. I encountered it everywhere today. That and the Joker stuff. It's you just. It was. It. it was also just great to see like. They used it as an excuse. Him, it's basically a Dragon Ball Z fight at the mm. end, where he Whoa. just he is yelling <laughs> and explo- He's like, Whoa, 
and then a giant explosion wipes out an unpopulated area, and then they're both knocked unconscious. And then it's destroys Superman's costume, but not his underpants, so he's not too embarrassed when, when Batman wakes him up. Safe for CW. And so Superman, like, his costume is destroyed, which mm-hmm. gives him an excuse to make a new costume. Now, it's not entirely new, but it is slightly redesigned. Uh-oh, no undies? Still no undies, mm-hmm. but he now has a yellow oval on his belt, which I think is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he kind of has the equivalent of, you know when people put like a thumb yeah. pull in their sweaters? Yeah. And like, he kind of has that going on now. I have two sweaters, Hankery, where those are built in. And... Two! And... I'm going to talk more about my sweaters on the show. I am most happy to see... He got rid of all the useless lines on his outfit. His, uh, his, his costume looked like armor because it had all these dumb <laughs> lines. And, like, Superman doesn't need armor. Yeah. He does, he's the last person that needs it's armor. the only one where, like, spandex is completely acceptable. Yeah, his it, <laughs> it, it was just overdone. Like, in general, I, I'm sure I complained about this exactly four years ago mm-hmm. on a podcast, but... My, one of my biggest problems with the New 52 looks of a lot of the major characters when redesigned by Jim Lee was that he added too many lines to everybody. They mm-hmm. all had too many lines on their costumes. I think it was to make the material look realer instead mm-hmm. of just like a solid color. I get it. Yeah, it has a bunch of little Superman logos all over it. <laughs> but there's just tiny lines everywhere mm-hmm. denoting like, this is where the padding comes together. Like, nah, I don't need that. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is this is the invisible panty line. <laughs> If I may make a fashion statement, please, about Henry. The, no, that that was it. Like, all right, uh, and then two more. Uh, mm-hmm. Star Wars number two, which you also read. That's it. I still can't get over how absurdly fun that is. Like, it we're like, is. I don't care about this. God damn, this is fun. Yeah. So, and then some of me, I made. I hope I didn't say it in the last show because I, I try and like let's where you slap yourself and tell yourself to shut up. I'm like, why are they wasting this on a comic mm-hmm. book? <laughs> yeah, but the, but the, the, there's just a bunch of great fan servicey moments that don't feel exploitive. Like I've read yeah. other Star Wars ones, like hey, look, it's that character. You guys like that, right? Yeah. But there, there are scenes of like, hey, this cool thing. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Instead of like, all right, it's Boba Fett in the background. Got it. Like, yeah, awesome. No, it's it's. It, I mean, all the big players are there, but it it all makes a weird amount of sense. It's yeah. it's. It's focused enough to be a film, and it's just again. I, I know I said that before about the last issue. It's just it's crazy how grounded the Star Wars universe has to be compared to the rest of the Marvel universe. Yeah, there's one guy who has superpowers, and everybody's like point. freaked out. Like, yeah. this guy can do this shit. Yeah. Like, and also just the visual, the visual of seeing Vader dual lightsabering stuff yeah. with his current red one and his old blue one. Yeah, like that's a spoiler, Henry. It was it was just cool to see them. I've seen this before. I just like the idea. A lot of these scenes just feel like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if that yeah. happened in Star Wars? Like it has that kind of like childishness yeah. of it. Like, yeah, and, and the, I want to make this character do this. A great comedy moment from yeah. Aaron with the C three PO. Like, no, he gets the comic. Perfect. He gets the comic relief at three PO. Great. He also like it. Definitely feels of the original film of episode. <laughs> A line that that I don't know why it wasn't said is like R two. I need those guns. Right. Han, Han is yelling R two. I need those guns operational now. I don't understand you. <laughs> I don't understand. What does that mean? I mean that that sounded just like one of one of my uh, in in Empire. I think it's underrated. <laughs> 
the 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 chemistry between three PO and mm-hmm. Han. Just Han is just like, would somebody shut the professor up? Just <laughs> shut up, like. And then, then when they shut down three PO, so he can't talk anymore, mm-hmm. Han just goes like, "Oh, thank you, God." Like, but yeah, and and Han and Leia's back and forth is like mm-hmm. perfect. Like, yeah. I can hear their voices in my head during the exchange. It, it makes like, me wish that I, I do love Jedi. But uh-huh. Jedi to me seems like, and I haven't seen this. Seems like Pirates of the Caribbean four. <laughs> I like Empire is an amazing end to that saga, perhaps, uh, and all the stuff in the middle is like, man, we got, we we would have been able to enjoy this for years on the big screen. Like all this stuff that's happening. Well, Jedi ends in a way of like, I want to be done with this. Like mm. it, it, it maybe could have gone longer, mm-hmm. but but Lucas got to call the shots then, and so. Uh, but yeah, it's, I can't. As somebody who hates Star Wars and has only complained about Star Wars in the past, these Star Marvel Star Wars books are great. Like yeah, they're really doing good. a great job, and I can't. And it ends. It ends with a last page that is like the best. Last, I love that last page. Yeah. Like it's, it it's drawn. John Castay is drawing it like he just. He's like, I love Star Wars. I've been dreaming my whole life to draw Star Wars. Uh, and then lastly, Squirrel Girl number two, which is a very funny book. If you're not reading it, you are missing out. It is just hilarious. It's drawn in a very like cartoony fashion, which is totally fitting for her. Mm-hmm. And it explores her history in interesting ways. And she talks really funny. And it's her like adventures in college are pretty funny so far, too. And uh, I have a theory. I think that... Uh, I don't know. I, I think her roommate is trans. That's my guess now. Let's see. A really see. mean one? Let's see. Yeah. Let's see if this happens. But... The way she, the the way she is drawn feels like that's where they're going with her. I'm not sure. We'll see. We'll see. Well, we got a lot more to do with what you've been reading. Oh, because okay. I, yeah, I read I, right before I read the Star Wars comic. I continued reading um, Spider Verse. Ah, so I'll only say Are you caught up yet. Or? A lead hero constantly referring to what Ben would do. <laughs> is in both, and it, I, for a moment I was very confused. Like, wait oh. a minute, is this this? Okay, no, he's not his uncle. No. Sometimes they mean Ben Riley. Sometimes they mean Uncle Ben. Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, it was. It was really confusing. But it was. I don't know. I. I do like Spider Verse. I just. Yeah. I like. I don't know. I don't. I, like Did somebody. You... Somebody had said I had seen a lot of responses to I think Spider Verse number two. Uh huh. And I haven't read one or two. Book. Okay. Yes. The, those are fun because they're they they don't move the story forward in any way. Mm-hmm. They just have like two to three page things of like let's just visit this universe what's yeah. going on with that one and that's where you got the cap marvel vs. the capcom one we talked about earlier yeah, in here because i didn't see any of that and one with uh twinkies in them is as it worth well. is it worth picking those up yeah mm-hmm. if you if you're enjoying the vibe of spider-verse these have a lot of funny scenes they also had one where like i don't uh, exactly want it to c- conclude but uh, you know i'm not gonna say i love Basically, following the plot point of Battlestar Galactica, um, and, and more and more Loon, like he goes in Spider Verse Two. Mm-hmm. More Loon visits the uh, the comic strip universe, yeah, yeah, and it's it's a great scene. Like, or is that in one? I forget which. But um, I also read the Dan Slot is saying like, so the final part six in the mm-hmm. finale of uh, Spider-Verse is next week Mm -hmm. but I saw him tweet that like two weeks after that is the epilogue issue Amazing 15 Mm -hmm. and he says you need to read this big things happen here like so why don't you put it in the alright but uh, and and that's 
not coincidentally, the same week that Spider Gwen number oh. one comes out too. I'm very excited for that. There's been they're doing a ton of of alt covers, mm-hmm. which like look awesome. They're getting a lot of great alt covers. One of the best ones is a parody of the Spider Man Amazing Spider Man 300 cover, mm-hmm. as but with Spider Gwen in it. It looks great. Spider Gwen and I um shit. Did I, well, I didn't read. But I actually decided to purchase some comics, which I've been very hesitant to do. Then I said, fuck it, uh, because I wanted to be back in on stuff. The finale of Hawkeye has begun. Yeah. Part one of uh, Hawkeye finale is out, and I didn't... Dude, I feel totally ignorant here. I just saw it on the front page of Comixology. Spawn number 250. Yes. Yeah. The Return of Al Simmons. What? Yep. There's a different spawn. It's been a different spawn for a while. I the last I recall, and I don't know how long has that was. Has it been ongoing this entire time? Todd McFarlane has never stopped. Well, I mean, he he stopped. He's right. He He, wrote this one. He's the credited writer. He's he's the sole credited writer in this one. I I wonder. Yeah, I wonder how if this he came back to the. He did the cover. It was Mm -hmm. a cool. It was a full McFarlane cover. Which was such a like cheesy fun cover of yes. two fifty spelled with his cape and eye I, lasers I, yes. like it was stupid but in a fun way just no. like a, most Todd McFarlane art like really fun <laughs> but but stupid when you think about it like go back to making toys man and turn out really your lights I got to interview him but for <laughs> no. for work that was cool I got to geek out and make him feel old and uh, by saying when, when the first comic I read of his was. And because I do think the first Spider-Man comic I read was probably his. Mm-hmm. Like uh, it was, if it wasn't, it was. I think it was like three hundred and seven or something. Mm-hmm. But I didn't start regularly buying Spider-Man comics well, until twenty sixteen. I didn't get a but. chance to get around to it, but I thought that would be an interesting place to just pick up a Spawn issue again when Al Simmons returns. Yeah. Why not? Al Simmons for some reason was a bad guy for a while. Like he, they had a new Spawn, and he became the villain of the book. Well, how did that happen? Do you know how that happened? I don't know. Okay, just, okay. Their image did this cool thing that everybody figured wouldn't work, and it didn't because they never mm-hmm. finished it. But they had this cool idea called Image United. I don't know if you heard of this. Mm-hmm. It was it was by Robert Kirkman. He wrote it. Mm-hmm. When, pretty much uh, when Robert Kirkman came on as like co-owner, when he became a co-owner at, at Image, mm-hmm. he said... You know, it'd be awesome if all the original image owners did a mega crossover together, and each person drew their character, and I'll write it. Like, well, not like April Fool's Day in the comic strips. No, no. Though they actually did that one month in Mm -hmm. in in Image in the like in the old old days. Like, so just Savage Dragon in the first two in the first two years of Image, they're like, let's all draw each other's comics for one month. Mm -hmm. But some people draw slower than others, so <laughs> uh, they could not get it all out in the same month. But it was weird to see, like, Cyberforce drawn by Todd McFarlane. Weird. Jim Lee draws uh, Savage Dragon, In, in the Comics was. LADG description, they claim that Spawn is the second independent comic, uh, superhero comic, to reach 250. Well, Cerebus would be number one. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. The, you didn't know that about Cerebus? No, I, did, like, I really thought it might have been Savage Dragon. It's been around forever. S- Savage Dragon must be close, actually. Yeah, I wonder where Savage Dragon is. It had a lot of qualifiers, so I thought it meant like superhero. I guess Cerberus is a superhero. Well, okay, Cerberus isn't a superhero. Maybe it is Savage Dragon, but I mean, Cerberus was a big deal that, like, it never missed a month. Like, Mm. it was, but he, but yeah, it was just Dave Sim being a very dedicated, nay, crazy Mm. person. It's like, yeah, this is going to be a monthly comic for 30 years, 300 issues, then I'll stop. Jesus. 
Yeah, that's how long it has to be. I didn't do any math on that. 30 years, or like 20 years. Over 20. It was not 30 full, yeah. but like oh, 26 ish. Jesus. Think. I can't do math on the fly. Me neither. Um, yeah, Todd McFarlane was cool. Anyway, Not we that. should probably take a break if you're, unless you have other books you've read. No, just stuff I want to read, stuff I hope to read as soon as we're done with this. You've got free time. You can do it. I did. I decided to not do anything today but uh, read comics. <laughs> uh, and there oh, is a- I did want to plug, um, speaking of Robert Kirkman, uh, Dave Rudd and I streamed um, IDARB, uh, hashtag IDARB, which means IDARB. Not important. We streamed it. It's this game you can play on... Uh, on uh, we, it's free on Xbox One right now if you, oh. uh, if you have a gold account. Uh, but the, the interesting thing that it does is while you play it, people can hashtag things in Twitter and in the Twitch feed in a code and fuck with your game. So the people watching your stream can fuck with elements in the game. Oh, that's really cool. And a bunch of people uh, combine together to uh, like offer little 8-bit characters of theirs. And there's a Skybound team. I was very I'd, happy to discover um, Skybound being Robert Kirkman's um, sub-company. With sub-company, yeah. And yeah, you can play as Adam Eve. Uh, That's really as cool. Of, as Rick Grimes, and uh, of course, I played as Invincible. I, like oh, I beat the shit out of Dave. He probably beat me pretty badly uh, <laughs> as Invincible. God, that game like is. So, watch the video on youtubecom network. It's a, it's hilarious chaos and basically Dave and I being tortured. Awesome. All right. Well, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some big old news. Uh, and then your answers to last week's question of the week and a superhero spotlight. See you soon. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the break for Cape Crisis. Uh, and I just wanted to say thanks a lot for listening to us and supporting the Laser Time Podcast Network. I know... You already heard it in the opening of the show, but I just wanted to say again, we're, we're really proud of this week's episode with uh, DC Pearson and Dominic Durkis. Like, it was just a really great uh, episode and really fun. I really hope you guys will give it a listen. Like, we do talk about comic booky things in there, but it's, it's just a really fun episode that we, we worked hard to, to, to make happen, and we're very thankful of our guests. So please, like, check it out. Let us know what you think. We, we love seeing comments on We love seeing comments on anything on the site. It helps us know what we're doing, like, matters, like, and that, and that you guys care. It's, it's, it, really, it really helps us out. Uh, but if you wanted to help us out in other ways, you can go to lasertimepodcast.com, and on that site, on the left side, you'll see a donate button. Now, that button will take you to PayPal, and if you wanted to just give us a little tip, just like, hey, you guys are cool, thanks, like that kind of thing. You could just give us some money directly through PayPal, and that would really help, you know, pay for websites to exist and and and, and uh, broadband fees and all that kind of stuff. It it just helps things move more smoothly. Or you can buy a T-shirt from the T-shirt store right below the donate button. Is a link to the Laser Time T-shirt store. And also at lasertimepodcast.com, on the right side are a bunch of links to Amazon. You can buy what we suggest. We have a lot of cool suggestions that uh, kind of cycles through and refreshes. But if you buy anything on Amazon through that link, a little bit of money comes our way. And no extra cost to you. It's just a nice way to support us. Like, you buy a lot of stuff on Amazon anyway. May as well give it uh, give a little back to us by buying the same stuff you would have got anyway. So just keep us in mind the next time you go to Amazon. Well, I mean, if you're going to buy a $5,000 TV, why not buy it through our link? Like, come on, guys. 
Uh, also, you know, if you listen to this on iTunes, be sure to subscribe. If you haven't given us a review yet, I really do appreciate reviews. Any new review always helps. It really helps with visibility of keeping us keeping us in uh, in in the high levels of of our section like it, it really helps uh us get discovered by new people so if you haven't reviewed us please do please uh, give us five stars if you feel like it's worth it i uh, know that it would make me very happy to see that uh and now lastly it's time for the hanks corner pick of the week of a specific comic i want to tell you to buy through an amazon link on our show page and this week's inspired by my reading of uh the newest superman comic number 38 i wanted to talk about one of my other favorite modern superman comics and that is the uh john byrne man of steel run now it's obscenely out of date now like it, it felt very it felt very current 30 years ago but it's still a really fun book with like john byrne at the top of his game that recontextualized Superman for the 80s for a modern context. It brought down his power level. It made him more human. It explained some things that needed to be explained away in his character biography. And it uh, it has some things that are still like echoed in the character to this day. Like if you're if you are interested to see a different take on Superman that's both classic and modern at the same time, like he keeps pretty much the same costume. Uh, check out the Man of Steel series that john Byrne did at least the first collection man of steel like it it has uh definitely the highlight of the book my favorite is his first meeting with batman uh they face magpie who is a very stupid character but the it, it has a very interesting character dynamic between batman and superman that hadn't really been explored before one of like that starts with distrust between the two of them it's really interesting so you can buy that a comic and a bunch of others through the links on this week's episode on lasertimepodcast.com so head over there and check it out check out all the stuff I was talking about and now back to the rest of the show Avengers Assemble All right, love we'll speed clip. it up. Love that clip. We will speed. That's that's a good Marge speed it up, guys. But uh, all right, so it's the second segment where we always usually start with the news and uh, the. So big... we started with the spotlight. No, the spotlight comes after news. Got it. Um, the news this week. I I feel like every we should just have a part of the news is like the trailer talk or oh, whatever. Yeah. I, Fuck, I didn't but it, post it. there was a new trailer. I didn't post it on Laser Time. I feel terrible about that. But then, like, I could not wait to see this trailer, and the trailer did nothing for me. It wasn't okay. The trailer we are talking about is mm. the Daredevil nothing. Netflix trailer, and yeah, it was kind of forgettable. Like, well, it's it it's looked, a TV show trailer. You're it not looked like s- a TV show, and I was really disappointed. And it, I, I don't mean that as like a huge criticism for shows like The Flash and the, the CW stuff, but it looked very CW. Well, that's the budget they're working I with. Know, but like, still, like there's a cinematic scope that I didn't see in the show. I mean, maybe yeah. that's better for Daredevil. Probably. I think in the end it will work out being I better so for too. Daredevil. But when we're used to 
the like the Ultron trailer, for instance, and seeing the insane shit that happens there, like yeah. to then instead see. You know the in, it's then just see a dude walking in a hallway it, and it just lacked, like actors talking to each other. It lacked a single moment like that, like one you can even take no, a screenshot of. Yeah, at the very least, like those trailers for the pilot of the Flash TV mm-hmm. show, like there are a couple scenes. Yeah. They're like that looks expensive. Yeah, like that cyclone he's running in that looks pricey. Looks like you spent some good money on some that. of the same reasons I made fun of Gotham in its trailer. It's like well, at least we had glimpse of all these familiar things and scenarios and. I don't know something something to latch onto if you're a fan of the property, which I didn't totally see. And well, as a fan of the property, what I was seeing definitely felt like uh, the the Frank Miller. Like it is Frank Miller's The Man Without Fear origin story, like down to the costume he wears. Yeah. And but I'm interested to see how it will grow over each episode. And like, yeah, when is he going to get in costume? Because if this were a TV. If this were a regular broadcast TV show, mm-hmm. end of the pilot, he's in a costume. That's that's another difference. You're right, but, but, but this that, is the all at once. A you movie, get all episodes at once. A movie when promoting itself via trailer. And I do love trailers and think there's an art to them. But their goal is to blow their entire wad because they only need you to get to, get you in the theater once to see it. They want mm-hmm. your money once. Whereas Netflix is like, we're not going to spoil everything. Yeah. We I, I'd like we to, to show you everything now. I'd like to think he'll get in costume too, and mm-hmm. and I'm intrigued to see storytelling wise mm-hmm. how they're going to deal with like uh, their first secret identity really in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Because you, you know what I'm more yeah. confused by. And this is this is neither here nor there. Net, Netflix model is they're going to dump it all at once. <laughs> Huge marketing campaign around the Daredevil show, uh, and it's like uh, we love it because we don't have to give them any money. <laughs> And, yes. and the, the whole their whole reason behind this is getting subscribers. Like, who isn't subscribed to Netflix? I guess it's to keep subscribers. I know Amazon is getting aggressive to get. I know their thing. And like, there was news this week that Amazon dumped a bunch of BBC shows just mm-hmm. because, like, we share this with Netflix. We don't want to spend money on anything mm-hmm. that we also have as Netflix. Like, mm-hmm. at least not a TV show. Like, movies, they expect... Yeah, movies are everywhere. It's but. hard to wade through. When I see, like, Downtown Abbey, like, every one of my streaming services is Downtown Abbey. Yeah. Like, well, meanwhile, like, Amazon paid big money to FX to only have Fargo on their channel. And like, to only have... The Amazon Americans, which I yeah. just got an email about. I hear The Americans is a very good show. I heard it was really good, too. Yeah, I've heard really Sorry, good the things. Daredevil trailer. What did but, I miss, Hank? Not I. I honestly like it's out of my. It went. It went through my head very quickly too. I. I like seeing the back of Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin. Mm-hmm. I think he'll be a very good Kingpin because D'Onofrio is an intense yeah. guy when he yeah. wants to be. <clears throat> and I am also, in a world. And oh, also, shit. like he can be a guy who's both physically imposing but pudgy as well. <laughs> And that, he was that the main villain in the first Men in Black, yeah, terrifying yeah. individual. Even, the, but also a like a hick, like a yeah. redneck. <laughs> yes, but Vincent D'Onofrio is a very underrated actor. Well, Indeed. I don't know, very underrated. I think very he's, underrated. He's, he had a, he had a minor comeback in the late '90s, and he was fucking astonishing. Yeah, though it seems like he's he's like like seems to be too crazy to work on things like. But that's why he's so good. Yeah. But he's like. Maybe he's too methody or something. I don't know. I just but, saw him as Orson Welles and Ed Wood with the it, voice of the brain. It's really. It, it was weird. We talked to some, like no no spoilers of who's coming up, but we talked to some Hollywood folks in this last couple weeks, mm-hmm. and like 
it was weird to talk with people and then like silent, like bite my tongue a couple times. So I was like, oh, I can make fun of this person. Oh wait, no, you you know this person, don't yeah. you? This person's your friend. Maybe I should talk like I know them or make fun of their life when it's their fucking. Like, well, thank God, I all hadn't. I know is them. For all I know is Eli Roth from movies. I haven't. <laughs> I haven't met Eli Roth. I can say he seems like a douche, but I have never met him. I know a guy who's on film. I think you're confusing with this character. He knows all the right people and is friends with all the right people. Yeah. There's got to be a reason for that. Must be a fun be- person to be he's, around. Yeah. I mean, he's a great writer. I think he's a really great writer. And mm-hmm. even if I don't love all of his movies, like he, what he isn't doing when he makes a horror film is a fucking reboot of somebody else's thing. Very like, true. He, he is making original shit. Mm-hmm. And also, I loved reading the story about how um, when working on Inglorious Bastards, like uh, QT, mm-hmm. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino used him as like a, a soundboard for some things where he's just like, would you do this? Was this with And he would like, he went to his like family Seder and everything, like it was just to get, to get insight into Jewish man. Anyway. <laughs> And he was the bear Jew. Don't forget that. We'll see. We'll see how it works out. The dare. I, I'm still very excited for the Daredevil movie. They kept. There's a bunch of other casting related to the um, other series that are supposed to start. Uh, yeah, Carrie Ann Moss got cast for AKA Jessica Jones, which mm. stars. Like it definitely feels like an ABC series now. Like starring um, uh, Kristen Ritter. Chris or is it Krista or Krista? I don't know. But the the B in apartment thir- in apartment twenty three. Never saw it. She's she's great in that. She's also underrated. And then Carrie Ann Moss seems just like like the evil older lady who is. I I think it's now a trope in in bad when you think of bad female driven superhero films, which there aren't many of them. But the two I'm thinking of are Catwoman and Supergirl. Mm-hmm. In both of those, they yes. have a, they have a young woman playing the main character, and then they get an Oscar level yep, to play older the woman to play the villain who yep. who is basically like the evil the the, the white queen or mm-hmm. not the white queen the, uh, the Snow White's yeah. queen so, the, yeah evil queen yeah the evil queen and so I I wonder if that's what Carrie Ann Moss's thing is too mm-hmm. I hope it's not that predictable. But uh, oh, and I also read a funny news story of Ryan Reynolds saying that he's just like, I'm really glad Deadpool leaked, like the Deadpool thing leaked. I bet you are. But he also says, it was like, intentional. He says, I don't know who did it. I asked the director, and like that they actually even said that that footage was just sitting somewhere for like three years, and that they were all saying to each other like. So one of us needs to have the balls to just leak it, like just leak yeah. it, and then that'll force their hand. This is awesome footage. But he says that even though he wished that happened, that's not what happened, and who knows who did it. And, but, but yeah, but I mean, I I totally get that. Like if I if I was him and I wanted to make this film, and some executive won't do it, even though there's awesome footage that shows it would probably be a great movie, a really fun movie. Fuck it, just release it. Like you spent millions of dollars. That test footage looks very expensive. Like yeah. let the world see it. And then it just goes viral. Like I still think Fox just released it. Of like I do. I think. The, well, I think somebody it was Comic Con. The time yep. it was Comic Con. It was very intentional on somebody's part. It could have been as simple as the effects house, though. Yeah, like, it could have just been Blur yeah. doing. It if we if we want to put a name to the people we're charging. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but anyway, yeah, I think it'll be the best thing Ryan, Re- Ryan Reynolds has done in eight million years. I don't know the last thing I saw him in. It may very well have been Green Lantern. It probably was. Oh man, maybe buried. Barry come out after that? Uh, Mr. Brooks? 
Mr. Br- what the fuck is that? Uh, the film where he's a serial killer and uh, no, uh, didn't see and it. Kevin Costner showing him how to be a serial killer. No, what? Yeah, no. You see, we're too unplugged for movies now. I used I to know the name know, of every awful film that came out just because it's like it's a movie. I saw yeah, everything I after '92. I can, I've seen. <laughs> From 92 to 2000, I've seen it. I feel I know like, it. yeah, once I stopped working uh, at a video store, like 2008, I just stopped really paying I'll tell attention you what it really to was films for me. that don't matter. I Robert De Niro was my favorite actor, and he was in a bunch of awesome things. And after the year 2000, was has never been in an awesome thing since. Ever. He just have a lot of bills to pay. I feel like That's he must fine. have like a dozen. But he was so like, choosy. But it's like when your yeah. favorite actor is in shit you hate. It like I've lost curiosity for. Mm. Oh, analyze that. Jesus Christ. Yeah, he did this and that. Showtime. Yeah, but there's a couple of horror movies. God, why are we talking about this? All horror right, books, Henry. Also in the news, uh, last bit of news. Uh, that I, oh shoot, I need to pull up the page because there's a great quote. But the. Uh, the gist of it was that Brian Michael Bendis mm-hmm. is leaving the X-Men books. Really? He had a really great tenure on it. But, uh, but yeah, he he's the, went uncanny. So they're doing the thing where is uncanny. Is he on uncanny? He was on uncanny and all new. He was writing okay. both. And it was, it was a big deal, you know, about three years ago. They're like, the guy who fixed the Avengers and now mm-hmm. comes to the X-Men. And he started the all-new X-Men and brought the young guys back into mm-hmm. the... So he had all-new, which was the young, the, the time-displaced guys, and Uncanny, which were, the new, which were the old X-Men. And he was writing both books, but he's kind of done with it. And soon, uh, Uncanny X-Men, they're going to publish one called 600. Like, so they're doing the classic, oh, we've gotten to 600, so let's call it 600, even though we've had a number one like eight times now. So confusing. Um, and so, but he, that's his last issue and there was a crate. So he, uh, it was announced and they asked for a quote at uh, bleeding cool, which is mm-hmm. known for scandalous rumors. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but Brian Michael Bendis gave them a great reply, which was, uh, where they're just like, what's going on? Why is Bendis leaving X-Men? Are they devaluing X-Men and it's not good enough for Bendis? Though Bendis has also announced today, he signed a new exclusive deal with Marvel. So he's not leaving Marvel. Oh, okay. Um, he says, so this was Bendis' reply to them asking why. So that's it. I'd like you to open this article by saying the reason I'm leaving the X-Men is Marvel is killing them all or turning them all into Inhumans. And either I got on board with the program or I was out. So I'm out because I will not allow the travesty of what's going on to happen to the X-Men during Secret Wars where you find out they were all Magneto's children the whole time and that Magneto was the first inhuman. I didn't want to be part of all that. So I'm excusing myself. Wow. So it's him making fun of every... He's making fun of every rumor monger out there that says like uh, that are also saying they're re- they're devaluing the X Men. They're taking him off of it because X Men aren't important. They're just killing all the X Men. Unless he's flying solo, knowing PR people the way I do, mm-hmm. everybody has to be really confident that that's not the case. Yeah. Well, Bendis. In order for him to say that, Bendis has a lot of power. Like he's mm. basically an executive there. He writes. I he imagine. writes four books a month, but like he's in all those meetings. Mm-hmm. Like he's. He's on the he's he goes it's to the, the story only one meetings. Been on, he makes on talk quotes. shows. Yeah, he appears on talk shows. Like he's he is a high level guy. I don't think he has like 
Like, Jeff Johns is a comic writer who also is, like, the COO of DC Entertainment or whatever. Like, they gave him a title befitting what he does for them. I don't think they've done that for Bendis, but I'm sure I would hope... it will. I would hope Bendis gets paid like he is an exec... or close to an executive for what he gives to Marvel, because... That would be nice. He gives them so much creatively, like, Mm -hmm. that gets turned into movies. Like, basically, he is writing movie scripts for them in comic book form, and then they make a movie, like... I think that's why a lot of dudes, like, I bet Joss Whedon is kind of kicking himself for, like, <laughs> all he wanted to do was write an X-Men comic. But what he didn't realize he was doing was giving a free script to, like, mm, he, God. they could have paid him $500,000 for his X-Men script, but but they didn't want to. And then he just writes an X-Men comic probably for much less. He did see, there was a Whedon interview somewhere where he's like, yeah, I'm kind of dumb. I should, I haven't he's created. He's tired of making, he wants to create his own universe. He's yeah. tired of playing in other people. Yeah. yeah. I can see why he'd be tired of that. Yeah, totally. And, and like I knew Marvel paid him a shitload of money after mm-hmm. Avengers to just keep him on as like, the yes, you'll make Avengers, mm-hmm. you'll make Avengers too. But in the, but in the break in between, Help us make everything fix better. Everything. Fix everything. Mm. We need you. And like they they need... I hope they don't have a Joss Whedon-sized hole that they don't mm. know how to fill. Holy shit, that would Once suck. he's gone. Like, I, I still... Those those articles make it seem like it's Kevin Feige or Feige or whatever. Feige, mm. That he's the real... He's the secret sauce of Marvel and he's the guy who like... Fixes things in story. I've and heard... The, I, I believe that. I totally believe it. I believe Whedon has... He pitched in a lot of things he's not credited for. Oh, yeah. I, I have a feeling he's probably paid uh, a salary by Marvel that has nothing to do with his writer or yeah, director duties. Just a staff, or just the, the like, the fix-it yeah. guy, the, the, the script Something. doctor or whatever. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely scenes in, you watch, you know, Captain America in, in, in the last run of movies since Avengers... You see these scenes, and I'm not talking about teaser scenes that are actually directed by Joss Whedon. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about scenes that just feel very Whedon-y in dialogue or circumstance. Mm-hmm. And it feels like either they just said, everybody loves Whedon, so let's make a scene like mm-hmm. he would make and let's do an imitation. Or he just fixed it. It was like, no, 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 here's the scene. Loki says this, and then this happens, and he has this funny exchange. Loki uh, says this, and he's really witty. Okay, cool. I gotta go but home. I also really like the idea of he, I mean, God, I remember talking about the decision to bring Whedon on into the Marvel Universe. and like, that is such a fucking no-brainer that we're so used to, like, not getting. Yeah. Because, like... But it, he was an unproven property. Like, him getting Avengers, like, almost seemed was. like a maybe. I, like, to me, like... That, he was a guy who made unsuccessful things. Yeah, like, but the, the, he, he, made the, he made the movie Serenity. Yeah. Which, even if you don't like that property, it was cheap. It was amazing and made its money back. And he finished it. And he finished it. And like, he, and this is all from from within his brain. Like, why wouldn't Marvel bring him on? But the yeah. idea that like, and he's affordable too because and, he's unproven. He's not a. Well, big he's unproven in that he didn't make Hollywood a lot of money. He just makes things that a lot of people love. Yeah. And will continue loving. That's fucking really hard. That's much harder to do. And now he can do anything he wants that's because he's made the most. What I'm sex- talking about. He'll have made the two most successful films of all time. He maybe. has made. He has. Ma- he has made. Everybody wants a piece of the Marvel. Marvel money. Mm-hmm. So, the we- What if the Whedonverse becomes a real thing and not just something we use to reference Firefly? And yeah, and he could. Yeah, though he gets one shot. That one. Like hey, he can make another thing on Serenity I level. Think everybody wants to create something along the magnitude of the Marvel universe that yeah. spans mediums. And who, if you wanted to do that, 
If you had the money to throw behind something like that, who would you pick? Yeah. Whedon! All right. Whedon fan. And now, that's that's all the news. And now, Chris, are you ready with the sound effect? Indeed. It's time for the Superhero Spotlight. Oops. A little early. Yeah, it's close enough. All right. So, as I talked about earlier on the podcast, I am a big lover of Squirrel Girl. Nice. So, uh, Squirrel Girl. Have a clip of her. Squirrel, uh, right? So, Squirrel Girl is uh, young. Like, she's both older and younger than I thought. Because the... So, she first appeared in Marvel Superheroes Volume 2, number 8, in 1992. Which I thought she was what more was, of like an early 80s What was character. Marvel Superheroes? Um, it was just like this bi-weekly comic that was just like a dumping ground for one-off story. Okay. Like it was just, they had no real reason to exist. But then oddly, like her first appearance was in, like she was co-created by Steve Ditko. Really? Steve freaking Ditko. In the 90s? Like, in 1992. Ditko is very, like he would just take, Steve Ditko is a shut-in. And mm-hmm. a crazy shut-in who does. I don't want to say crazy. He is an eccentric shut-in who just, if he feels like drawing something, he just does it. Like, he took a job in Marvel. He's he's had the same, uh, like, office in Manhattan for decades. And there was just this time where every few years, like, a Ditko comic would just appear. And he'd be like, Steve Ditko felt like making this thing. And Marvel decided to publish it. Weird. Like, he did that with Speedball. He just was like, I want to make up this guy. He's a bouncy kid. It's uh, He'll be the Spider-Man of the 80s. Speedball, boing, boing, bounces around. And they pu- like, it's a dumb idea if, if it wasn't from Steve Ditko. Mm-hmm. But they published it. And same deal with... That's not Squirrel Girl. <laughs> same deal with Squirrel Girl. So this was a team-up comic with... Uh, <laughs> it was also called the Marvel Heroes Winter Special. Um, but it was so it was drawn and plotted by Steve Ditko that mm-hmm. was conceptualized by Will Murray. Well, I'm actually who is Will Murray? He's like a writer on Ghostbusters, of right? Shield. I should stop. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go there. All right, but anyway, the, the her first appearance was teaming up with Iron Man, who also, if you don't know, Iron Man had he has a legacy with Steve get Ditko that gets lost a lot. He was he was created by Stanley and Larry Lieber, aka Stanley's <laughs> brother, but. Uh, but his original costume, kind of lame, just like a aluminum can, really. But the the yellow, the yellow and red, and the basic layout of of uh, Iron Man's costume mm-hmm. that was made by Steve Ditko. Like he defined the real look of Iron Man. When Iron Man finally got a good costume, it was Ditko, and it has defined that costume since. Uh, but so Ditko comes back to Iron Man and it's, it's a joke story like Squirrel Girl is a joke character she's a 14 year old mutant girl who talks to squirrels and looks stupid like her outfit's dumb intentionally dumb and she's annoying and only has squirrel puns and like it's written in a way that they know like it's they're not trying to make a cool character and she sucks they're trying to make a crappy character that's a joke like Iron Man just rolls his eyes at her the whole time she's like let me be your sidekick Iron Man just keeps making excuses like no no you can't be you're annoying you talk to squirrels you're not useful to me and yet in continuity she got to beat Doctor Doom 
Like, Doctor Doom kidnaps both of them. What? And then it leads to a classic panel you may have seen on the internet where she summons squirrels that then attack Doctor Doom and beat him. Like, he's... Yeah, you can't plan on that. So, like, the, the, as it says here in, in the wiki... Hundreds of squirrels respond to her call and flood Doom's ship, chewing through the wires <laughs> and attacking Doom en masse, causing him to exclaim, Confound, Confound these th- wretched rodents! For every one I fling away, a dozen more vex me! <laughs> this is awful. That's awful. Yeah. So, so, yeah, and he turns her down and says, like, oh, when you're older, you can be an Avenger. So, it was a one-off joke character that... Uh, most people kind of forgot. Like well, pretty much everybody. I forgot. wasn't sure about her because I never encountered her. Um, never even yeah. really heard of her until like within the last ten years. Well, she became but a, a joke character that turned beloved. Well, she became one of those people that would that you'd bring up in in say articles like I've done of like mm-hmm. the joke the biggest jokes in joke characters ever. Like she became an ambush bug level character. I mean her or like Blue Beetle or whatever. Like her original design's awful. That the, the thing her eyes for yeah. fuck's sake wants to have squirrel eyes. So that's and her character name was Dorian Green and she had a pet. She had one called Monkey Joe. Her. Her, her favorite squirrel was Monkey Joe, who actually dies later. And um, But okay, so she was kind of a joke, but then clearly she was beloved by Dan Slott, who uh, regular listeners of the podcast know Dan Slott mm-hmm. is probably my favorite current superhero writer, mm-hmm. mostly because I think he is as big a nerd as me, and even actually he is a bigger nerd than me, and he knows... He knows all this continuity stuff and brings it up all the time, but in a not in a not off-putting way, but in a way that totally makes sense. And he and so before he became the Dan Slot who wrote who writes Amazing Spider-Man and has given Amazing Spider-Man its big success since in like decades. Like he was writing joke comics. He came from a uh, cartoon background like Dan Slot for a decade. He was the guy who wrote Ren and Stimpy comics and <laughs> and other like uh, I still have bagged and boarded. They were great. I loved his Ren and Stimpy comics, but he he did side books, and so he had this comedy book, which was mm-hmm. the great. He took on the Great Lakes Avengers, mm-hmm. another joke team, mm-hmm. and then he figured, well, shit, let's te- let's have a joke team team up of like the Great Lakes Avengers were started as a joke by John Byrne. It only makes sense that she would try to join the joke team. <laughs> but then part of her joke powers is that she just beats people she shouldn't be able to. Since that her first appearance, she beats Doctor Doom. Who did she defeat in issue two? Um, who does she meet in issue two? Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure who you're referring Squirrel to. Squirrel Girl. Oh, Squirrel Girl? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I well, you read issue two. Oh, in this one? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. They, uh, Galactus is coming into the picture. Jesus. We shall see what happens with that. Well, but She bested Craven. But she has beaten... In the in in Great Lakes Avengers, which mm-hmm. is a very tongue in cheek talk to the reader book, like she she actually beats Fing Fang Foom, Uatu the Watcher, and Thanos. And when she <laughs> does it, she looks at into camera and talks to the reader, saying, "And it's in continuity. It counts. <laughs> that really happened." It is. I was just googling her, and like the second result is versus Thanos. Yeah. Yeah. Though I would bet Jim Starlin would just say it was a failed clone that got beat by her, but but yeah, that she like 
So then her superpower was that she could beat characters she shouldn't be able to beat. And she just became, she got more and more popular. Dan Slott even wrote a script for the Fantastic Four cartoon show that mm-hmm. was on a few years ago. And, they didn't and make snuck it? her in. Oh, okay. Like, she got a little cameo appearance. But so then eventually she quit the Great Lakes Avengers and she became the nanny. Uh, she, for a couple of years, was in Bendis' Avengers books as the nanny of um, of uh, uh, Luke Cage and Jessica Jones' daughter. Ah. And that was cool, though he, he Bendis had this weird twist that he implied that her and Wolverine had dated, which is weird, because she's like, <laughs> she's 19. Uh. Like, I don't think Bendis realized how old she was. Uh, and, oh, and so then that leads us to now. She quit the Avengers because she's not a babysitter anymore. Those two quit the Avengers, so she has nobody to babysit. And she's going to college. And this awesome book, The Unbeatable, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, which literally is her name. Like, she, like that is... She is unbeatable. She can just—that's her powers to beat people. She shouldn't be able to. I wanted to say out loud to remind myself to jump back into Slot's Silver Surfer, mm-hmm. which I really liked and fell off of. That's great. It's a great book. Mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, so, and lastly, that she—one thing I also love about Squirrel Girl is she's a fan. Like she's a fanboy. Like she, he, she keeps cards. She has cards of every that's Marvel all, character yes. and keeps track of it. She's a big nerd and knows all these superheroes. And I really like in the books that the the art on the cards is by a completely different artist. Yeah, it's really cool. So yeah, unbeatable Squirrel Girl. You need to read both of it. But just uh, a quick rundown of her powers as I do in these things is just that she has super reflexes and uh, squirrelish strength, squirrel agility, and has super squirrel agility. Mm-hmm. She has no, she has a utility belt which mainly has acorns in it and just throws <laughs> and throws nuts. And she says a bunch of nut puns. Uh, and also she can speak squirrel language. She doesn't she isn't telepathically communicating to squirrels. She speaks how squirrels speak. Oh, and she also has heightened vision and taste and smell, too. So she has all this stuff. And as as written by Bendis, like, she can kind of go toe-to-toe with Wolverine. Like, like she, she and Wolverine are almost equals combat-wise, which is crazy. But, uh, but yeah. And, oh, and she has a squirrel-a-gig, a helicopter that she flies around in. And is Tippy Toe always the? So they killed off Monkey Joe in Great oh, Lakes no. Avengers, and her her current com- companion is Tippy Toe. Tippy Toe, who uh, who is the star is the co star in Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. So, yeah, uh, long way around it. Squirrel Girl is a really cool character. You should chase down all her stuff. She had this one last favorite thing of mine is she in another Dan Slot thing of Dan Slot like playing the know-it-all fan card again she was in love with speedball in silver in civil war speedball gets it bad like speedball gets blamed for the 9-11-ish massacre that starts civil war and he then becomes a character named penance who literally stabs himself with things to gain to use his powers like he's a cutter who feels massive guilt and he's just about feeling super duper guilty and like Squirrel Girl finds him and just starts pointing out all these storyline inconsistencies to him that a nerd would say. I'm just like, well, wait, what do you, like, no, you didn't kill those people. The villain who exploded did. Don't blame yourself. And he's like, no, there's too many people, too many people died. And she says, 
most of the state of Washington just got blown up by the Avengers a year ago. Like, did people blame the Avengers then? And then she says, Tony Stark killed a guy, killed the Secretary of State on camera (laughs) while flying around drunk in his costume. And now he's, like, running S.H.I.E.L.D. And, and, And... it was just, it was such a funny, it was in Civil War Frontline number 10, if you want to look it up, oh, guys. All right, so that is the superhero spotlight. Mm-hmm. Don't we have a sound? Oh, yes, yeah, sorry. Collect your hero. Why don't we give away those Star Wars issues? Let us know in the comments of uh, lasertimepodcast.com if you'd like. We have two codes to give away, don't we? I think so, yes. Yeah. Just wanted to make sure we did that. Tell us in the comments. Or, I mean, claim them in the comments. And leave a real comment on the show. Don't yeah. just say, give me a Star Wars thing. I love just seeing comments. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with as I love seeing replies to our question of the week. Indeed. And uh, we got some real goodies last week, which were uh, your four comics. There was a really good hashtag going around called Four Comics, oh, which yes. was just to name four comics that defined your childhood. Uh, and I had one in there, too. And now there's... <laughs> There was a new one that I also uh, put in, which was Four Childhood Crushes. Mm-hmm. But uh, and one of them was Spider-Man. The other two was Spider... They was all kind of comic book-y. It was Spider-Man, Robin, and or Superboy of the, min, of the early 90s. We were both gay? very... Hand- <laughs> <laughs> no, because Ronma Boy Type was on there. Or Girl Type. Sorry, Ronma Girl Type. Uh, anyway. Uh, all right. So this week's question... Last week's question of the week responders... Starting with Charles A., who uh, seems to be French because most of his references were en français. Oh, that blonde Viking character in Tintin? (laughs) Uh, Well, so one was Garfield. I don't know which one. They all kind of blend together. But I vividly remember spending all the t- all of the time my parents would be grocery shopping in the magazine aisle reading Garfield comics. Oh, this is on crushes. I'm sorry. I, no, this is. I was sorry. It's like Andrew, back, Andrew Garfield. This is four super. I this see. is four comics. Four comics. So it's Garfield, Dragon Ball. Uh, oh, it's comics. Huh. Uh, and then La Genie de Alpages. And uh, long-running, somewhat obscure French comic series about a shepherd, his overly intellectual dog, ridiculously <laughs> proud ram, and a whole herd of devious, mischievous, and hyper-imaginative sheep. That sounds crazy. <laughs> and The In-Call by Alexandro Jodorowsky, mm-hmm. a revenge project after the failure of his Dune movie. An epic sci-fi journey inspired by Frank Herbert's world. We should suggest that one to our old buddy Brett, the biggest Dune fan I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Watership Down Syndrome says, uh, <laughs> always gets a laugh. Uh, Aliens vs. Predator by Dark Horse, the first time I learned that there was such a thing as non-superhero comics. Lobo, mm-hmm. the first mature comic I read. Huh. Death's Head 2, this monthly comic I got into, as well as my first canceled comic. So the first one he went through getting canceled. Uh, and then Cerberus, the comic that got me back into comics. Uh, then Jar said, uh, Watchmen, Saga of the Swamp Thing, book one. Hawkeye, My Life is a Weapon. And the only single issue being X-Men 25 from 1993, the Fatal Attractions crossover where Wolverine gets his skeleton ripped out. Or the metal ripped off of his bones. Uh, then this badass dragon said Preacher, Walking Dead, She-Hulk, and Power Girl. The Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor run, which had a lot of like comedy to it. It was a real comedic uh, storyline there. 
Uh, and then there were a couple. I, I want to open up the link to the picture. Some people responded mm. exactly as they do in, um, as you do on Twitter, which is you don't even name them; you just have pictures of them. And uh, the better than reading. The first one of those was from uh, "I'll let you blow my cartridge," and his was what? crazy. Like, which was uh, Cowboys of Moo Mesa, the three issue miniseries based on the ABC cartoon. <laughs> Ultraman, an American Ultraman comic, Biker Mice from Mars. Jesus. So two two different ones based on cartoons, uh, TV cartoons, and then the Incredible Hulk two hundred and ninety five, which seems to be just a random issue where he fights Boomerang. So, <laughs> but I mean that's what the first, that's what a lot of people's first four were. Like they didn't buy. Oh, these will be the four I read forever. Like, uh, and then Batman Boy. Uh, oh wait! Annual gift man who lives on the moon had <laughs> had a very indie sensibility. Senior year of high school, he said was optic nerve, love and rockets, wow. Jimmy Corrigan, and Battle Pope. So, yeah. All right, no, he hipster in the too, forums. He sounds too hip for us. Uh, then Batman boy said uh, a Batman five hundred, the Asbat getting his metal armor and defeating Bane issue. Detective Comics 739, which is when Two-Face puts Gordon on trial during No Man's Land. Uh, Ultimate Spider-Man Volume 3, Double Trouble. And then a really underrated one he brings up, uh, Batman 588, which is a Matches Malone story by Brian K. Vaughn, a.k.a. the creator of Saga Mm -hmm. and Ex Machina and Why the Last Ah, Man. about the fourth volume this week. Forget about that. This Matches Malone Mm -hmm. storyline was great in that Matches Malone is one of Batman's, like, out like he it's a character he puts on to when he goes into the crime world and you it turns out that he was pretending to be Matches Malone because he thought he was dead. He thought a guy named Matches Malone was dead and now Matches Malone shows up. <laughs> it's really cool. Like he Batman stole his identity. Uh then last uh, a couple more here. John Wizzle, another man of the nineties has Spider-Man number 23, which was the finale of The Revenge of the Sinister Six. Spider-Man number 5, which was a Todd McFarlane book. Uh, a Batman 297, part of Nightfall, like the one after Batman gets his back broken, I believe. Uh, and then Sonic the Hedgehog number 1, Archie's <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog number 1, which I also owned. I actually still own it. I dug it up oh, two so years ago. He's the brown ago. hedgehog. He explodes and becomes blue. I, I read that one recently. I was just uh, well a couple years ago now, when I went home for you know to Florida for the for the Xmas days. I, I found that, uh, and then lastly, another picture one was Super Giraffe had Scott Pilgrim, One Piece, Star Wars Legacy, and Watchmen, all of which were very formative for our good pal Super Giraffe. Super Giraffe. All right, so this week's question of the week. Uh, you know, I went with this one because I felt uh, there were two comics I read this week that just had crazy, like, last page, Whoa! like the mm-hmm. Superman, Superman revealing his secret identity to Jimmy Olsen, which is crazy, mm-hmm. and Call Me Gay, but I felt it had a lot of gay subtext. You could easily read it as like, oh yeah, Superman's coming out to Jimmy. He's just like, I have this secret. I gotta tell somebody about it. It'll make it easier. I gotta tell somebody and then Jimmy's like, well, what are you talking about, Clark? And if this was a gay porno, he'd turn around and Clark would be naked and then would, like, try to kiss him. But um, but because it's a comic book, he is dressed as Superman. And so it's just a big last page reveal of, 
I'm Superman, Jimmy. And then the other one uh, this week was the uh, the last page of Star Wars 2, which was just an awesome, like, poster. Like, it was just a poster-level image. Like, so amazing looking. So, the question is, like, what last page reveal have mm. you, like, like, is just burned in your memory? Like, last page cliffhanger type thing, or... The last page finale to a story type thing. Well, one that jumps out at me is the stupid recent, but uh, what's Amazing Spider-Man six ninety eight? Oh, what when it's uh, when you know it's him when it's Doc Ock it's, in his brain. I'm pretty sure you prepared me for that happening, but it was just like the face. The but I'm Peter. But I'm Peter. And boom! I just like imagine like a billion TV show themes slamming to a crawl and <laughs> making me mad at the medium comics of having to wait that long for oh, the resolution. Yeah. I know it is uh, such a killer. Yeah, and and but just as oh, I love the face in that picture, it's like it's almost like one of those Reddit rage faces. The way it's leaned back like that. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it is burned into my memory. I wish you could think of a better, um, better one from a I mean, further it's, back. It's still like three years ago. That's not like yesterday. Um, right? And I've always said it. And everybody. Tells me I'm wrong, but I don't know which issue it is. But it's because I never was able to see the resolution when Punisher was briefly black. Oh yeah, and, no, that really did and happen. I think he said he was, the line is "You made me black." I have a sound effect. You made me black. Next time, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of good Spider-Man ones I could think of, but. Um, Actually, one of the the best guys at last page shockers is Brian K. Vaughn. Like mm. he's he's so good at it. Like he, you know, he's he's a great writer. But part of that is showmanship and in genre writing. He's just like, yeah, I want you to read the next issue. This has a crazy cliffhanger, or just the last like say the last page. I'm not going to say what happens in it, but the last page of Volume Four of Saga is just like, holy shit! I want to see what happens next. This is an awesome, like, status quo they're announcing, and I got to see what happens in the next issue. Like, they have moments like that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think the, the top one for me, I guess it's kind of tied. He did it in the first issue of Ex Machina and Why the Last Man. Mm-hmm. But in both of those, like, Why the Last Man ends with it, every character, every man on Earth dies. And then seemingly every single man on Earth is dead. And then you turn to the last page, and it's like, no, he's alive. This guy's alive. This one mm-hmm. guy, and he's just on the end of the phone of just like, hello? Hello? Like, he's just... He, you see that he's alive. And then same with... And then it's just like, what happens now? Like, it's such mm-hmm. a great, like, and now what happens type thing. And same in um, uh, the other book, uh, in Ex Machina, is the first issue of that, when it's yes. revealed that he prevented one of the planes from hitting a tower on September 11th and you see the big page revealed like one tower fallen instead of both mm-hmm. like that you see you're in an alternate timeline that is that is our world but different that day and then him going like I would have saved both towers if I was a real superhero him not seeing the like in the real world losing both towers was horrible and we'd mm-hmm. love to only have lost one and so it's just an interesting kind of like glass half full thing and also like a ballsy, ballsy ass move in 2004 to be, mm-hmm. to have a story that's like, yeah, yeah 9-11's invoked here. We're invoking yeah, 9-11. 9-11 happened year. in this thing. It was still taken very, very, very seriously. Totally. Like that was, 
the the words nine eleven was pretty much Rudolph mm-hmm. Rudy Giuliani's campaign mm-hmm. in two thousand. Well, 2008, even. like you're just like Re-election of Bush, I just remember, at Republican convention, they had no backdrop. It was just in fucking serif font. They did it in New York. Yeah. It was in New York. In New York. I, rem- I remember on The Daily Show, September they were making 11, fun of it. They were making fun of it so many times. They were mm-hmm. like, New York City, home of. And then they just have all these like super like liberal, progressive, gay, and, 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 and uh, fringe people things. Mm-hmm. And they list it, and then they go, and then at the end they go, and the Republican National yeah. Convention? Yeah. What? Uh, can't go there, Hank. What? I'm talking about the Republicans and, let's, and let's close it using out, the ghosts of 9-11. To, all right. Uh, so, yeah. Answer your favorite um, last page reveal, like one that's stuck in your head. You can't remember. You can't not remember. Last page reveal from a comic book. Talk about it in the forum for this week's question of the week on the LazerTimePodcast.com forums. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, so. Please go to LazerTime yeah. and listen to the new episode. Derek Duo, two really fun, like really funny people who were nice enough to stop by. And I mm-hmm. keep saying the best way. I, I, I don't know if anybody's loving the show as much as I had. I listened to it again. I loved it. Yeah. Um, but make sure, like, if you really appreciate folks like that coming on, let them know on Twitter. Yeah, totally. See? That really helps. Would, like, I do it. Um, if you were to out reply DC and Dominic, I'd love to have them again. Like, yeah, anytime they're up here, they were great. They were super friendly. Like they both, like they didn't, they didn't need to take their. They were actually very busy, we really that day. busy, and like they didn't need to say yes. They they said, well, we can only go. They came at five. They said we can only go till six because we have a show at seven. We're like, why would we keep oh, you longer than that? Thanks for an hour. <laughs> like, geez, we didn't think we'd get an hour, you guys. Yeah. And, and they were so sharing, like, and like. They're kind of giving us like a writing clinic at the end. Like yeah. I, that was just free advice. Listen so to it. You got to listen to that episode, guys. It was it was a great one. Tell and, a friend. Check out our streams. We did three streams at once. Uh, Dave Rudden showed off the new WWE 2K15 DLC. One more match. Um, and we and Dave also made all of us in uh, the wrestling character creator. Wow. And I believe you put them up so you can download them too. That's awesome. Um, and then we played Idarb, which is fucking madness. And of course, Fibbage. Uh, it's quite an upset to see who won, mm. even though it's in the preview of the TV. Boy, all right, uh, and yeah, cheap podcast, the wrestling podcast, VG Empire. I think there's a new one of those this week. Video game apocalypse. There's so many great podcasts on the Laser Time Network. You got to keep oh, listening, yeah, the, guys. The episode Michael chose the topic he chose for his top five this week was video games based on sketch comedy. What? A com- a, yes, comedy sketches. That is the craziest. There are and there I are five. Leave it to Michael to find. And there five. are five. So well, Wayne's World is on there. Sure. You know, I'm not going right to guess that. I'm lying. Stop it right there. I don't know why, but we are really silly, and it's one of the funniest episodes we've done. So awesome. uh, give it a listen if you haven't in a while. There's so much great stuff we're mm-hmm. doing right now. I'm I'm very excited for Laser Time at the, at this moment. In a month from now, mm-hmm. I'll probably be bored of it. But mm-hmm. hey, right now, very. Very excited. We're making things happen, guys, and and, yeah. if, and and we need your support to keep it all hot. So, all right. So until next time, Excelsior. Excelsior.